Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Ah, yes, a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company. It is Rabbi Michael Katz here with Judaism 101.9, coming to you live from Joburg on this beautiful, beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in the days of Teshuva, the days of return or the days of repentance as they are known, um, which actually effectively start on Rosh Hashanah and go all the way through until the end of Yom Kippur. But here we are right in the midst of them. It is already the fifth day of the ten days. And there you go. Today, Wednesday, marks the middle of the ten days of repentance. Believe it or not, we are therefore only a few days away from Yom Kippur. And so on today's show, we will be chatting a little bit (coughs) about Yom Kippur, the things that you need to know in the advent to Yom Kippur, in the build-up to Yom Kippur, the practicality, some of the thought processes that perhaps we should be going through, and uh, perhaps what Yom Kippur is going to mean to us all this particular year um, with everything else that has gone on over the last six months. To start off, I think we could safely say that um, people have come through Rosh Hashanah all the better. Um, it seems that most people, and certainly the Mood, the vibe is a little more positive. Most people enjoyed being back in shul. Most people enjoyed reconnecting with their communities, with their rabbis. And if you were the rabbis, reconnecting with your congregants, reconnecting with their friends and family, albeit from a distance, although we had all sorts of protocols and distancing and so on. And I did hear many a comment, not only in my own shul, but in others, uh, many a comment from people to say that they felt that the davening was even more special this year. Somehow uh, the distancing took away the one thing, perhaps in addition to others, but perhaps the one thing that uh, rabbis have tried for so long to get their communities not to do is not to talk in shul. And in fact, the distancing and possibly the masking and so on kept people from chit-chat from chattering, and it allowed people to focus a little bit better. People were more focused, I think, on their davening, on their prayers. And yes, of course, it seemed a little bit rushed. It seemed a little bit quick, a little bit fast for us all, and perhaps we seem to have lost out a little bit on some of the services because of the uh, confined spaces within which we were allowed to daven and so on. But be that as it may, those who did attend, those who went to the various shuls around the city and around the country um, um, are grateful for the fact that we had this opportunity and we had the the, the chance to uh, pray together, to share with each other and spend the time of Rosh Hashanah in a very, very meaningful fashion. And hope your experience was a positive one as well over Rosh Hashanah and that we managed to accomplish, achieve what we had set out to do so, um, launching the new year on a much better footing uh, with a much more positive attitude. And yes, of course, um, moving now as we have to a different lower stage of lockdown, it all seems to kind of be um, a coming to a far better headspace for us all. And isn't that what Rosh Hashanah was all about? Getting our heads into the right space. The Rosh of the Shana had to be readjusted, realigned, and placed into the right framework for the coming year. And then, of course, right now, we're looking forward to Yom Kippur. 
So, just in case you need a reminder, Yom Kippur begins on Sunday evening. Yes, this coming Sunday evening and all day Monday is Yom Kippur, otherwise known as the Day of Atonement or Yom HaKippurim. As it is termed in the classics, it is the 10th day in the month of Tishrei. It therefore completes the 10 days of repentance and it is known as Yom Kippur. Let's perhaps just give you a historical context. Yom Kippur, while it's mentioned in the Torah as being the uh, day of uh, atonement, and the day of Kippur, Kapara, and so on, we also know it to be the day on which Moshe Rabbeinu Moses returned for the second time from the mountain with the tablets of stone. Now, this was the tablets that would last forever. And on that day, Yom Kippur, the 10th of Tishrei, if you work it out, going from Shavuot, the 40 days that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moses was up the mountain um, for the first time, and then returning on the 17th of Tammuz, and then spending the next 40 days getting everything fixed up, getting the Jewish house in order, and then ascending once again on uh, Rosh Chodesh Elul, the beginning of the month of Elul, there were 40 days that he spent up the mountain the second time, came down with the, the Torah, that now and the tablets that would be eternal. And that was then given to the Jewish people in full and earnest uh, uh, kind of for safekeeping forever, not just safekeeping, but for really keeping, for making sure that we uh, kept all the rules and regulations of the Torah and studied it and did all its mitzvot. That happened on Yom Kippur. That was the day that God therefore deemed that now the Jewish people were exonerated, that everything that had gone on before was done and dusted, it was forgiven, it was all gotten rid of, and now the Jewish people could be given the Torah in earnest. And so, together with Moshe, Hashem gave us this everlasting Torah without the huge big fanfare that took place first time round, this a little quieter, this a little deeper, this a little bit more uh, speaking soul to soul, this was the real time of absolute exoneration, absolute forgiveness. And therefore, it's a day that is embedded with that forgiveness. And we talk about <coughs> the day of Yom Kippur, that Yom Kippur itself is mechaper. And yes, there are opinions that even if one does very little to commemorate the date, you don't daven, uh, you don't go to shul, you don't do any of those things, God forbid, Still, there is a power and energy in the day of wiping clean, of exoneration, of getting rid of all the unnecessary things, the baggage um, of soul, of spirit, and so on. Getting rid of it all, placing it all in uh, the past, and making sure that we can move forward, just like we have done on uh, every other Yom Kippur, but this one particularly relating back to the time of the giving of the Torah. And hopefully this Yom Kippur will accomplish that for you as well as for me, making sure that as we move forward, we will be far, far better off and the world will be a far better place. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, it is. Uh, we try and be together and at one. And is that not what it really is all about? At one moment, uh, the other way of pronouncing the big word atonement, which Yom Kippur 
really spells, which it really means. So when we think about Yom Kippur, um, perhaps we should be thinking about um, taking a journey. The journey, which, um, of course, we have got so unused to travel over the last six months because we've been stuck at home, um, the idea of travel, if you remember from the old days when we used to do that, was that you used to try to travel light. Remember that great advice, travel light. Don't take anything unnecessary with you. Don't take extra baggage. It's just going to cost you. Don't have with you anything that is going to weigh you down. That's going to be inconvenient. Travel light. And if we think about traveling light, perhaps it is a good piece of advice when it comes to Yom Kippur and all the things that we do in a preparation for Yom Kippur. It is about preparing ourselves to travel light because when we think about the days before Yom Kippur, what are we trying to do? We're trying to shed ourselves of the excess baggage. And that excess baggage usually comes in the way of things that have been done to us or things that we have done to ourselves or things that we have done to others, and they weigh us down. We've got this uh, mental or spiritual or social baggage that goes along with us everywhere. And yes, it weighs us down. It gets us down. It retards our growth. It disenables our progress. And if we can just get ourselves into the mode whereby we are shedding this excess baggage, getting rid of the faribles, getting rid of the, um, uh, God forbid, hatred, but the dislike of others, in fact, all that it does is it gets us down, getting rid of the arguments, getting rid of the um, the problems, the issues that we've had with family members or perhaps with friends or perhaps with those who we work with, whatever it is, to get rid of all of that. And that is the mode or one of the uh, secrets to teshuvah, to repentance, because when we talk about this big word repentance, it really is all about return. But perhaps it's much more about getting ourselves back to where we should be and where should we be? We should be traveling light. And it's not only in terms of each other, because yes, of course, Ahavat Yisrael, the love of our fellow man, is an important, important part of tshuva. It is an important part of return or repentance, getting back to being the kind of person that we want to be, that we need to be within society, within our families, within our relationships. And in addition to that, and perhaps moreover, is getting back to where we should be in our relationship with the Almighty, our relationship with God. So there, once again, we spend our time in doing tshuva, in doing that return, that repentance. And the repentance is comprised of several different dimensions, not the least of which is being sincere in that return and then making sure that we ask for forgiveness correctly and then making sure that we show and demonstrate that we can forgive at the same time as we are asking for forgiveness because it's all well and fine to say, I'm going to ask God to forgive me, but I'm not going to forgive even God. I'm not going to forgive other people. I'm not going to forgive. That's not for me, but it's only about me being granted that forgiveness. No, this is very much a two-way street, and it's very much about shedding that excess baggage. These things are things that could and do drain one, and they pull you down, and they make the baggage 
excessive and they make our traveling not as light as it should be. And so in the days building up to Yom Kippur, we shed that excess baggage. It is easily done, I guess, in some circumstances and a lot more difficult in others because it is truly all about ultimately reaching a level whereby one doesn't have a an enemy in the world and one doesn't have a gripe with anybody and one doesn't have any gripes or any issues or any problems between yourself and the Almighty because you have cleansed them all, you have exonerated, you have gotten rid of them all, you've dealt with them, you have thought about them, you have um, not only thought them through, but you've actually found ways and means of getting them out of your system, of making sure that you are on a level whereby you can now really, really enter into the holy chambers of the Almighty's heavenly court. You can stand there proudly and you can say, I have done what I need to do in order to be here and I deserve to be here. And then we reach the pinnacle on Yom Kippur where we are completely and so completely at one with God that what we thought came between us is certainly not there anymore. There is nothing between us. There is nothing to prevent our absolute unity, our absolute oneness, us and the Almighty. This is the ultimate journey that we are trying to take on Yom Kippur. And therefore, in part of traveling light, what we do before Yom Kippur is we do our slichot, as we have done in the build-up to Rosh Hashanah. There are some who continue through the days of Teshuvah now, uh, the Aserit Yom Teshuvah up to Yom Kippur. But certainly, we also, before Yom Kippur, do a process called Kaparot, Kaparot, which is done traditionally over a living chicken or fish, or can be done with money, and many more people this year are going to opt for option three, uh, the uh, financial, the money uh, option because of um, all the precautions and all the protocols, etc., etc., that need to be taken. But before Yom Kippur and preferably on Erev Yom Kippur on Sunday, in the morning, early, we should do that kaparot. Kaparot is not only atonement, but it is actually also exchange. We are making an exchange. Now, it may sound fickle, but it certainly does put the... Um, the spirit of the day into one to think about the fact that something is in exchange. I have made an exchange. I have taken all my heavy issues and problems and so on, and I have exchanged. I have given something to charity, and I've asked God to accept that this money now goes to charity and that I will thereby be given an extra credit and an extra merit to be able to go on to a year, a life that is filled with blessings, a life that is filled with goodness, a life that is filled with uh, wonderful and great and fantastic things, great rich brachas, great rich blessings from the Almighty. This is actually the process of kaparot. It is a cleansing, it is a cleaning out, and it is also a shedding of that excess baggage. And at the same time, finding the wherewithal and finding the way to make an honest exchange that we say, God, I'm giving this up in order that you will grant me uh, the great and wonderful year that I'm hoping that I will have in the time that lies ahead. And so this is the build-up to Yom Kippur.
On Sunday, everybody knows that um, we try and um, get into a bit of a festive mode. In fact, we're supposed to eat two meals on um, Erev Yom Kippur, and that is reminiscent of a Shabbat or a Yom Tov, although Erev Yom Kippur, which is Sunday, is not a sacred day in that one may drive and you may handle money, etc., 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 and we are allowed to do all the things um, that are uh, weekday-based. We try and purify ourselves by going to a mikveh if possible, and if not possible, by jumping perhaps in a swimming pool in order to gain a little bit of an extra purification before we come to Yom Kippur, and we eat two festive meals. Earlier meal, perhaps round about lunchtime, is all the trimmings and trappings perhaps of a Yom Tif meal because it is a, 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 a part of the Chag. It is part of the uh, build-up to Yom Kippur. In fact, we're told that if one eats handsomely on Erev Yom Kippur on Sunday, it is deemed as though one would have fasted for two days. Now, we could all do with a little bit of extra help and we could all do with a little bit of extra power in our year. And uh, so, therefore, if we eat and we make sure that we are satiated and that we're in the correct frame of mind of thinking about the positive energy, not um, all the negatives, but that we've already conditioned ourselves to thinking about all the positive things that Yom Kippur brings, well, then on Erev Yom Kippur, we eat a festive meal at lunchtime and another one before we take the fast. And remember, we try to push ourselves to fast um, a little bit longer than one would ordinarily do, of course, on a regular fast day. In fact, somebody asked me this week, why is it that the fast days seem to go out before Shabbat goes out? Um, and that is because Shabbat we actually extend. We extend Shabbat in the beginning. We extend Shabbat at the end. Now, remember Yom Kippur is called Shabbat Shabbaton. It is a Shabbat, so it has those natural extensions at the beginning and the end. It's not a 24-hour fast. It's much more like a 25 and then some kind of a fast. There are some who try and fast for 26 hours if they can. So we have the extra time in the beginning and the extra time in the end. And why? Because it's reminiscent of a great big Shabbat. And the only thing really missing from it is all the things that we do that we enjoy, um, food and drink and kiddush and so on on Shabbat. That is missing from Yom Kippur, but it is replaced by our fasting. And so it is not really a day on Yom Kippur of sadness. It's not a day of being uh, moribund and completely downtrodden and completely depressed. That's not what Yom Kippur is all about. It's much more a positive energy, a day of cleansing, a day of exoneration, a day of this journey of the soul where your soul now, having been lightened by all the baggage that it has shed, that it has the ability to come into that absolute oneness and unity and that unity meaning that we are absolutely ad idem and absolutely united with God Almighty as we hope that we can be and will be on Yom Kippur, this is everything to be happy about. There is such a positive air uh, within the frame of Yom Kippur. Yes, we're not eating, but no, we are not mourning. There is not sadness. Yes, of course, we say Yiskor, and we think about those we have lost, and there are parts of the Yom Kippur davening where we talk about martyrs and so on. There are several parts that are 
emotionally draining and difficult to talk about and to think about. Granted, however, the uh, fix of the day or the actual purpose of the day is one that is really, really positive, hopefully carrying us through, traveling light, reaching the destination of the blessings um, of a fantastic and beautiful, beautiful year up ahead. This truly is what Yom Kippur is all about and the mindset that we should have going into it. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Yes, this is Rabbi Michael Katz with uh, Judaism 101.9 and we've been talking about the build-up to Yom Kippur and what we've got to be thinking about and doing on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur itself um, is a 25 to 26 hour fast, as we mentioned before, comes in late afternoon on uh, Sunday and continues right through until after nightfall on Monday. We need to remember a few important factors. Number one is that we may not eat or drink for the duration of the period of Yom Kippur. Number two is we may not wear, we should not wear leather shoes. Now, leather does not apply to belts or any other uh, leather garment. It applies to shoes. We may not wear leather shoes on Yom Kippur. Third thing is we may not bathe. We are not to bathe. We should not take a shower. We don't take a bath. We don't jump in a swimming pool. We don't take a sauna. Anything to do with bathing is forbidden on Yom Kippur. Fourth um, prohibition on Yom Kippur is that we may not anoint. So we do not put on creams or ointments and so on. All of that can be done before Yom Kippur. So one doesn't have to uh, go to Yom Kippur with dry and cracked skin and so on. But we do not apply any of those things on Yom Kippur themselves, creams, ointments, um, and so on, hand cream, etc. Yes, on this Yom Kippur, we will need to sanitize. And although on Yom Kippur generally, we do not wash our hands except beyond our knuckles, we need to be careful uh, this year because of all the COVID-19 uh, protocols and so on with um, sanitizing correctly on Yom Kippur. And finally, of course, we do not engage in marriage relations on Yom Kippur. So those are the five main principle laws that we are supposed to be obeying on Yom Kippur. When you've done that, you have kept Yom Kippur. And then, of course, there is quite a lot, a fair amount of praying that we do. We do a tremendous amount of trying to get ourselves into that one and only kind of a spot with the Almighty, that place, that space that the Almighty has opened for us to enter on Yom Kippur. We try and make sure that we are there. And, of course, when we reach the Ne'ila prayer, and everybody knows that that is the prayer that comes right at the end of Yom Kippur, we go into a total oneness, we call it Yechida. We go into an absolute oneness um, together with God Almighty. And this really is the pinnacle. This is the highlight. This is what we have been trying to do all along. So we get rid of our um, unwanted 
uh, baggage. We make sure that we're traveling light. We make sure that we are uh, not overeating on uh, the uh, on the trip, on the journey. Remember, you know, you could get uh, a little bit of uh, sickness from eating incorrectly when you're traveling. So that we refrain from as well. And we make sure that when we reach our destination, we have done the right thing with the right focus of making sure that we get into that space of absolute unity with the Almighty. Because in that space, there is no longer a you and us in terms of God and us. There is no longer a God and us, a me and him. There is just oneness. And in that space, there is nothing to apologize for. There is no uh, negativity. There is no excess baggage. It is just my soul and the almighty, almighty God. And this is truly what we try and achieve on Yom Kippur. So it is a day of these absolute exchanges. We're Exchanging, getting rid of the bad, bringing in only the good. We're getting rid of the excess baggage, making sure that we are traveling light and we make sure that we can reach this incredible unity, this oneness, this at one together with God Almighty on Yom Kippur, making sure that we can then condition ourselves in God's eyes as being worthy of all the rich and wonderful brachas, blessings that he has in store for us all for the coming year. We'll be back with you right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Yes, uh, in the final uh, few minutes that we have together on this show, I would like to just um, reiterate the fact that we are about to Go into a great Shabbat. It is called the Shabbat of Teshuvah, or known as Shabbat Shuva, named after the Haftorah. The Haftorah that is read on this coming Shabbat is Shuva Yisrael. We're talking about Shuva or Teshuva, which means return. Get back to where we should be. Get rid of all the excess baggage and get back to where we should be, which is at one with each other and at one with the Almighty, at one with God. And so on this Shabbat, we have an opportunity to return to where we should be on Shabbat. We should be in an environment that is um, appropriate for Shabbos, whether we are in shul or whether we are not in shul. We should be in an appropriate environment. And the appropriate environment is made by all the rules and regulations that we keep to when it comes to Shabbos. We've proved ourselves to be pretty good at rules and regulations, pretty good at protocols when it comes to social distancing and when we know that lives are at stake and when we know that uh, there are pandemics out there and so on. We have and we can be very adaptable. We need to show that same kind of adaptability when it comes to the rules and regulations that Hashem has laid out for us for our special Chagim, for our special festivals, for Yom Kippur that is coming up, but for each and every Shabbat as well. And what more appropriate way can we make sure that Shabbos is properly and correctly kept than on the very first Shabbos of the year? Remember, we just had Rosh Hashanah. We just went into a new year. Remember, we had in our minds all sorts of good and wonderful decisions about um, all sorts of grand and wonderful plans and things that we were going to do during this coming year, good hachlatas, good um, decisions that we are going to put into practice. And how about making sure that the very first Shabbat, the very first Shabbos of the year, which is this coming Shabbos, is properly kept by all of us. 
that we make sure that we have a Shabbos atmosphere, that we make sure that there is Kiddush, that there is, that there are candles on the table, that there is a proper Shabbat meal, that we say our prayers as best as possible, that we don't break or desecrate the Shabbat in any way, either by driving or doing business or handling money or all the things that we're not allowed to do on Shabbos. And it's, herald the arrival of a great and wonderful Yom Kippur and a great and fantastic year with the Shabbos of getting Shabbos back to where it should be, the Shabbos of Teshuvah, the Shabbos of return, getting it back to the space that it should occupy in our lives. And then we can hopefully be assured of the fact that having done all of this, we are now able to go on that journey of Yom Kippur in the most fulfilled, the most special, the most beautiful fashion. And we know that God will grant us then, please go to each and every one of you, to each and every one of us, a gemar chatimah tovah, that the good things that were written down for us in God's books, in the heavenly courts, that uh, record all the blessings that we are going to uh, be lining up to receive over the coming year, will now be sealed for that good and prosperous and fantastic year. I want to wish you all a gemar chatimah tovah. A happy, healthy, and a sweet year up ahead. And please God, it should be a year that is filled only with great and wondrous blessings from the Almighty. Please God, with the ultimate blessing of the coming of Mashiach now, peace on earth, end to all pandemics. And hopefully you will have a great Shabbat up ahead, a great and beautiful Yom Kippur in each and every one of your lives. And we look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on Judaism 101.9.